we're about to go live all right all right all right excellent connection it seems like we're back we are back we are back and we also have the chat going all right that's good that's good that's good all right if you uh let's see who's going to be the first one to comment in the chat boom 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 we already have a couple of likes i can see some movement so that's good there we go the chat is working yo yes sir we have chat we have chat indeed hello frank sutton hello eric anderson uh, the petition henry we have a lot of people already in the chat so that's good all right we're going to be waiting for uh, a little bit longer and then we're going to get right into it this is the first unfiltered meeting with corona and kirilla on the c squared channel i'm excited fabio are you excited about our first live live meeting very excited i can see the chat here you can actually see the chat as well that's good i can i can all right all right all right great job becoming the 960 champ mr caruana um wow that's really fabi yes it does seem <laughs> i think it's really fabi uh live meeting that's right that's right that's right this is live this is not pre-recorded hello kiblitzers Della, go fabiano 35 con concurrent viewers fabi what's your expectation for this live meeting where do you think we're going to land um let's aim for 500 500 you think we're going to land for 500 all right in in that case in that case let me do this let me also tweet it boom tweet it keep keep writing your chat guys keep uh keep asking questions we're basically going to be answering them in just a second we're going to be waiting a little bit longer to um so that people can join and not miss too many things i'm also going to tweet it boom unfiltered meeting live now just tweeted it we're at 70 right now tweet tweet yeah if you are not following our twitter is uh csq pod on twitter basically if you look for c squared you'll find it there quite easily all right there we go go christian and fabi but stay here yes i mean we have the chat seems like everything technically is working we have audio we have video so I don't think we need anything else. Fabi, I'm excited. What have you been doing since uh, you finished the Chessman LX? Come on, let's 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 start with that. Not so much. I I started playing this um this chess.com event called the Global Chess Championship that people know about because uh, a certain player was excluded from it and uh, and that was in the news. But I I started playing it. I played two matches so far, and it's knockout and I'm luckily still in it so that's that's going well how about you christian what have you been up to that's that's the global chess championship yeah that's the round yeah. of uh, 32 right now is that it i think Isn't it the uh 
round of 16. I think right? you just made it to the round of 16. Yeah. So, I made it to top 16. So today you you actually played one one match against, I think, Jose Martinez, right? Yeah, Jose Martinez Alcantara. Yep. Who's a really well-known and strong online specialist. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also a grandmaster, so not just online, but especially online, he's uh, known for his skills. And yeah, it was it was a close match. Um, but I, I got it two and a half, one and a half, which is pretty happy not to have to go to Armageddon or anything like that. That's pretty decent. He's actually, I think he's around 3,000 on uh, on chess.com. His name is uh, Jospem. I've been watching his games for a very long time. Funny story about him. He was uh, initially supposed to come to my university, um, Mizzou, but then he ended up in Webster. He uh, defected, very, very sad. He's a very strong player. I actually feel quite proud about it because I spotted him and I spotted his talent back when he was like 25, 20, and he was just like coming up the rankings. And now he's like 26, 50 or something along those lines. Um, yeah, he's really good. So uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely one that got away. That's good. All right, so a lot of internet chess. Very, very nice. Um, also, let's talk about the chess 960 because that was fun. I had a lot of fun. I was casting it with Yasser and Anastasia. Um, and uh, it, it was really good to see you surging uh, in, 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 in that one, despite the fact that I think you had quite a difficult second day, if I remember correctly. You, you, you yeah. came back in the third day. Take us through uh, the motions of that one. Yeah, the first day was good. Uh, two and a half uh, out of three. Uh, the second day was was quite lousy. And after that, I thought I'm not in the race to win it anymore. Um, and I had to win all my games in the last day to uh, to tie for first, which uh, shows how how strong Ali Reza was playing because um, that's a plus four I made. And it was only for a tie for first. So I really had to run away with it in the last day. And then I played a very, very intense uh, tiebreak match against Ali Reza. Won the first in a time scramble, lost the second, won the Armageddon. Uh, so it was uh, a lot of good emotions after I won that Armageddon. That was that was a nice feeling. Yeah, that that Armageddon was completely wild. I think uh, you got the first one, and you actually got the first one in the last move. Um, I, I think the previous move before he resigned, he was still equal. So that was just completely yeah. wild. C two was uh, unclear. And then he blunders maiden one, but we were in just in like pure blitzing mode. It was um, like, you know, we're used to two seconds online, yeah. two seconds online, and that's something you can you can live off of that. But over the board, two seconds is nothing. That's enough to move your hand from the board to the clock, uh, to to physically make a move. You can't think about the position. So it was just, and it was super complicated. It was just uh, pure instincts in a position where you really need to calculate. So um, for sure, I didn't even check the game, but I'm sure that like every other move was a blunder by both of us. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's how these tie breaks usually are. That's actually, uh, I, I guess, a good question that we should probably delve deeper into it. Uh, instinct, the question of instinct. How do you, how does your instinct play out in like chess 960, right? Because chess in general, like normal chess is very much based on pattern recognition. And it just feels like in chess 960 with everything just so random from the beginning of the game, it's so much more difficult to kind of 
uh, rely on that pattern recognition. And actually, that's one thing that I noticed and I thought that hindered a little bit Hikaru because I think Hikaru is very much on, um, very much basing his style of play on pattern recognition. But I, I, I couldn't see it as as clear in, in, in Chess 960 with him. He was missing a lot of things. Did you feel like you were missing things or? Oh, I, I mean, we all were. Um, and the thing is, the Kasparov said this, the opening is the most complicated phase of the game. The only reason why we navigate it so well is because we have hundreds of years of chess wisdom that we can lean on to understand the, the normal starting chess position. Once you mix the position around, all that goes out the window and you're left with the most complicated possible position. All the pieces on the board, um, all possible sorts of moves and ways to, to develop and then tactics that spring up out of nowhere. So that's the reason why you see mistakes, uh, even for, for the best players in the world, because these are the most difficult types of positions to make decisions in. Um, and as for Hikaru, I, I mean, I think he was just maybe not in the best form. I, I don't think he has bad intuition at all. Uh, his, his main strength, though, and always has been, and the reason why he's been so, so strong in, in fast time controls is because um, his tactical vision is, uh, is one of a kind. It's uh, like maybe you would put like him, Magnus, and maybe Maxime among like the top three in tactical vision, but uh, his tactical vision is, is next level. And his um, ability to avoid blunders, especially low on time, that's what constantly garners him points in these, um, in these critical moments in blitz games. So that's why he's, he's such a good blitz player and rap player. Um, and uh, I mean, of course, he's also a top player. He's, you know, he's a well-rounded, uh, he's well-rounded generally in chess, but that's, that's what has made him stand out for his, uh, his rapid chess skills. Um, in terms of his like intuition compared to other top players, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, uh, necessarily better. I'm sure there's some players who have a better natural feel for the game, but of course, Hikaru is also quite good in that area. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about like, let's say Hikaru or Levon or, or Magnus, you're talking about very minute differences in uh, quality because all of them are very good players, but of course, in critical moments, sometimes uh, they make better decisions and that can lead to um, the difference between winning a game and drawing a game, you know, losing a game. Uh, so it, it's very, very small differences at the top. I think you also see that in other sports, right? You know, and, and like any sport, it's, uh, it's fractions of a second uh, that separate the the truly great from the the great, but uh, you know, not the the guys who who end up in all the history books. It's the same in chess. I'm gonna give you the chance to address your uh, haters, Fabi. Uh, I I see this comment and I've seen this comment for many many years. The fact that your blitz and rapid chess are supposed to be for whatever reason weaker than your classical chess and i have to say uh, recent results and i mean in the last couple of years have definitely uh, denied those claims but i still see them uh you've had a pretty good showing in the rapid and blitz world championships this past year um obviously you've done well in the St. Louis Rapid and Blitz as well, as well as the Chess 960. So there's definitely some improvements. Sure, maybe a couple of years or like three years ago, um, you could have made that claim, but I, I, I don't feel that is the case anymore. Uh, address your haters right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I don't know what there is to address. I mean, I, I'm far more successful in Rapid and Blitz than Classical, uh, to be honest. I, I don't even, like, if anything, it would be the other way around. I would I would understand why people say uh, that I'm, I've been slipping in Classical chess, but um, but my Rapid and Blitz results have been quite quite good. I've won a lot of events uh, or, or come close to winning a lot of events recently. I mean, I from the Gashima Memorial, which I won, to to this uh, St. Louis Blitz tournament and uh, and the World Rapid Championship, where I missed out on on Sonnenborn Burger, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm quite I wouldn't say quite satisfied with my Rapid and Blitz results, but they've been quite reasonable the last last few years. Um, I think it definitely improved. Now, did you do any specific training to to, to improve on it? Did you like started playing in your training sessions? more rapid than blitz did you work on i don't know your instinct through a certain position uh, solving or what did you do to improve it or it just came naturally no I, I haven't done anything um i can say one thing which wasn't really a change i mean it was a change i made but it didn't take any work which is i used to play complete crap in blitz games like from the start i i mean i would play the worst openings almost on purpose i just thought like you you know it's blitz you play whatever and then i realized that of course you, you don't want to give your opponents a head start, uh, even if it's just blitz and it tends to get random. Uh, you Im Im improve your equity by playing good moves from the very beginning. Um, it doesn't help you to get losing positions from the opening, especially if you do it on purpose. Uh, so I stopped doing that. I started playing at least openings that I know I'll, I'll get a playable position, uh, not something where I'm on the back foot for the whole game. Uh, and that, that certainly improved things a bit. Uh, but besides that, I, I haven't done like, you know, I consider playing as training. So I do play a lot of rapid and blitz and that is training that hones your skills. Uh, but besides that, I haven't done anything special. Yeah, I feel that's uh, that, that that's definitely a big one. And I remember we did that quite a lot in our camps as well. We're just playing a lot of blitz, playing a lot of rapid and actually we haven't played that much classical, right? In, uh, in 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 training camps, you usually play rapid and blitz, so it just naturally comes that you see uh, certain improvements. Uh, do you feel like your confidence levels also has increased in rapid and blitz in recent times? Did they affect you? Did did this kind of talks ever affected you? Uh, people saying that, let's say, you were suffering in rapid and blitz, did, did that affect you or motivate you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, of course, it's uh, these things. If you read them, or or well, I mean, there are there were a lot of like Raven Blitz tournaments where I did very poorly, and uh, that does tend to lower your confidence. Yeah, uh, and uh, generally speaking, once your your confidence is lowered, that that does harm your chess. I, I think that you need a, a fair measure of confidence to play successfully. So uh, that definitely affected me. Uh, a few years ago, like I remember 2018, I was having a very, very good year for classical chess and winning a lot of tournaments, but I had um, this absolutely terrible tournament in uh, Paris, Rapid and Blitz. Just like in Blitz, I just started losing all my games and uh, and it was extremely upsetting. So at the, at the time, you know, it was like, uh, if I put it in perspective, of course, it doesn't matter because I'm going to play a world championship match and I'm doing well in, in the tournaments, which uh, really make a difference. But at the time when you're losing a bunch of games, it just gets in your head and you don't really, uh, you don't really think about the bigger picture. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I feel uh, maybe even the pandemic also has uh, played a bit into that, into just allowing uh, certain players to improve their rapid and blitz because most of the tournaments for the last couple of years, sure, in let's say 2021, second part of 2021, things uh, started getting back to normal. But for a year and a half, at least, it was mostly just rapid and blitz online. So that definitely helps a little bit. I, I, I you haven't played any classical games in 2020, did you? Oh, uh, well, I did play. Maybe you played it. Yeah, I did play a bunch. Did it? I played the candidates to start with. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I that's, played. I played half the candidates. Start. I played seven games of the candidates. Yeah. I I played one of my most successful tournaments there. Um, not not in the candidates, but in in 2020 at the Tata Steel tournament, I scored plus. Um, Let's say since April 2020. Yeah, 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 of course. After the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I played half the candidates, seven games, and then I played Norway chess. Uh-huh, Norway chess. And yeah. Norway chess was uh, a mix of classical and Armageddon. Ah, that's the one where you get like 10 minutes as white, seven minutes as black, and black has draws? Yeah, that's right. 10-7 Armageddon, which is the only time I've seen that specific Armageddon. But then we, for this uh, global championship, there's Armageddon where you bid on it, which is an interesting approach. Uh, you... The default is 15 minutes yeah. and the player who uh, bids highest, the highest amount of time gets 15 minutes. So for example, if you bid seven minutes, 49 seconds, and I bid nine minutes, I get 15, you get, get uh, seven forty-nine. If you bid 14 uh, minutes, 50 seconds, and I bid 14 minutes, 51 seconds, then you basically just got draws for free because we had the same amount of time pretty much. Uh, so this is an interesting, it's like uh, game theory mixed with how comfortable you are in, uh, you know, playing black with less time, how com how, what your comfortable limit of time is, and how confident you are with white with, let's say, five extra minutes of the clock, but you have to win the game. Which I, I like the system, it adds an, an extra element. I think they used to do that in the US championships back in like 2014. Um, I thing before you started playing in the US championships. If I remember, yeah. they were doing this uh, bidding process. Never played in one of those tournaments, but definitely sounds like an, an, an interesting system, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's true. I remember when um, I think Gata played against Alejandro Ramirez, uh -huh. Gata Kamsky, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the one I remember as well. Alejandro and I don't remember the time they had. I, I know that Gata won that Armageddon, but I don't remember the amount of time that they bid. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was definitely an interesting year. I think Alejandro got second in uh in 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 that one. Lost the finals. Was was the finals against Gata? I think the finals. Yeah, was it was Gata. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh more recent news. You asked me what I've been doing. Well, after the Chess 960, I immediately flew to Vegas. Um went there to watch some jujitsu competition called ADCC. Had a good time in Vegas. Definitely not as much um, as as many days as I would have liked, probably. But then again, it's Vegas, so after like three days, you might as well go back to to to, to your place unless you want to die. Um, yeah, Vegas is a bit exhausting. That's true. It's fun, but it takes a lot out of you. It 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 definitely does. And basically, on Monday when I was chilling by the pool and getting ready to. Um, well, to start getting ready for to, 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 to go to the airport and come back home, I started seeing uh, uh, tweets about the new drama. 
that was unfolding yeah. in real time and i was like okay what's what's the drama now obviously the drama was about magnus not not playing against hans refusing to play against hans um and just well it's not really new is it i mean it's the same Re it's the exact same thing reignited the drama yes yeah of course <laughs> it, it reignites the discussion but uh it didn't change anything because we everything until we hear from magnus and okay today we did kind of hear from magnus everything is speculation yeah uh we can speculate a lot and and of course people do but the fact that he forfeited the game it only demonstrated that he has some sort of issue with hans and uh and that's it it didn't change anything else besides that it does um make his position interesting though because of course he does have to play this per he does have to play hans uh at times he will have to play him Mm -hmm. and it's not really a sustainable solution for him to just forfeit anytime he goes against him. Like, let's say they both qualified for this knockout stage of the tournament, and one plays eight, two plays seven, etc. What if uh, he was number one and Magnus was? What if Hans was number eight? Does that mean Magnus forfeits the tournament? Um, I mean, we could have it, seen this tomorrow, right? If today would have ended up a different way, and Hans would have actually, instead of... I think he finished fifth in... Um, in the prelims and now basically they're going to the playoffs and one plays number one which is magnus plays uh, the eighth uh place which is not hans right now so i think it's, they're it's levon i, I believe levon, levon yeah they're on track to potentially like, meet in the semi-finals he would i think magnus would certainly have forfeited if if he had played hans in the in the knockout um and it and they could still play right there is still a chance that they play at some in the point. semi-finals yeah i think semi-finals I mean, or finals i'm not 100 sure at this point, it's just clearly a matter of principle for him. Whatever that principle is, he's sticking to it, and he doesn't want to to play the guy, so he's not going to play him in a game or in a match. I think he would just forfeit the match, which makes it um, a rather difficult position for him to be in. Uh, well, I mean, he put himself in that position, but um, he's you know he's uh, possibly losing out on winning the tournament or like the Sinkfield Cup, right? He he left that and he possibly lost out on on winning that tournament so uh that's one aspect to it but uh today he he said the first thing about the matter since um since he left the singfield cup uh, the first time that we actually got to hear uh you know not everyone else in the world speculating but his his own words and he didn't say much um but he said he, enough <laughs> well yeah he definitely if, if said you know, enough if you know who he was talking about, then you kind of understand that he was confirming all the rumors. Uh, he mentioned Maxim Lugi as uh, Hans's mentor. This is not like this is not public information. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's ever been said that Lugi is Hans's coach or mentor or second or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is the first time that the chess world. You know, not internally, not like a few people, but the outside world is hearing about this. Um, I think we knew though, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, we we uh, had heard that. I'm not 100 uh, sure why it's not public knowledge, but I'm pretty sure we knew. And I'm actually seeing a couple of things um, on Reddit that basically point to the fact that this was indeed public knowledge. Um, I think there's something on uh, Maxim Delugi's academy website where he says that hans was one of his pupils i don't know if he still is okay but that doesn't mean much right like right. uh 
was one of his pupils that doesn't sound so definitive you know like he had some lessons with him two years ago is he someone that he works with on a daily basis today those are very different things mm -hmm. um, so i i don't know like i don't know the connection between lugi and hans uh we know lugi has a reputation for um oh wait no never mind so look i'm having something in front of uh, me right now a reddit uh, post in which Maxim Dlugi on July 14th is congratulating Hans Niemann. So he says, congratulations to my student, Hans Niemann, for being awarded the Sanford Scholarship and becoming a top 50 player in the world. I was okay. a second fellow this, to be awarded the fellowship, blah, blah, blah. Sounds blah. like Dlugi uh, is saying that they work together, yeah. That's, yes. that's what it sounds like? Yes. Um, so, yeah, Dlugi's reputation, I, I see someone in the chat asking, is... Um, he was removed from chess.com. Uh, you know, we can speculate why, but uh, usually there's only one reason why. Yes. Uh, and I don't really know much about him besides that. I mean, I, I met the guy a few times. I played Blitz with him in New York in 2016 during the World Championship match there. How was he? How was he in Blitz? Yeah, quite reasonably decent. Uh, not extraordinary, but I mean, what do you expect from a grandmaster? Maybe better than the average 2500 grandmaster that I, I think his rating is around that um but yeah I, I i would say i i was a heavy favorite against him but uh but he was decent i can't say he's a bad player and, and i played him many times on the internet chess club back in the day uh he he's been playing online blitz for a long long time he's definitely uh, an so og um I, yeah. I mean, I remember ICC seeing him pretty much every single day on that website, battling Hikaru and, and battling yourself and whatnot. Um, so he's definitely been around for a while. And I, I'm, I'm actually on Reddit just right now, and I'm seeing a lot of posts about it. GM Bach, Benjamin Bach, shows that Glugi was banned from Title Tuesday twice with two dif different profiles, once in 2017 and once in 2020. Um, now, we, we also know that chess.com's policy seem, seems to be that they send you a message and then they give you the, the option to uh, clear your name, but then you have to, by acknowledging that you, um, uh, that you cheated pretty much, and then they will uh, potentially give you a second account if you acknowledge the fact that you cheated. So now Benjamin Box shows that in 2017 and 2020, he was banned with two different accounts. So there's definitely some smoke coming out of that gun. That's for sure. Okay. Well, this is this is an ethical question, which is um, because you're associated with someone who has done something. Does that mean that you should be suspected of the same thing? No. Uh, of course. Of course not. You can add different things up. The fact that Hans admitted to cheating online. The fact that he's um, that's more or less public knowledge. Way. Yeah, he said that. He, he said that he, and when he was 12 years old and 16 years old, he cheated sporadically online. Um, that he's associated with someone who also has a past history of cheating online. Of course, these things make you more suspicious. Um, well, I think it's interesting to get into Magnus's um, frame of mind because we this should. is the most interesting thing. Yeah. So I was trying to think about why why things happened in the order that they did uh because we have a very clear order of events right um 
Hans plays in Miami. He plays against Magnus. They do promotional events together for Chess 24. Uh, Hans loses his matches there. Uh, Magnus wins the event. Those are not really, those are somewhat relevant. It shows that Hans was definitely not cheating in Miami. So his results in Miami didn't give Magnus any cause for concern, unless he was thinking, this guy is not a good player. So his other results don't add up. But that's the first thing that happened, right? They, but they meet in Miami. One thing about Miami, they seem to be cordial, at least uh, as they were getting ready for the event. They were shooting these promotional videos, as you were mentioning, and they actually played. There were some photos of them playing together on the beach and seemed in quite good spirits. Um, oh, this was a promotional activity, right? This is something yeah. they did to promote Chess 24, to promote Chess, whatever. Uh, that It doesn't mean that they're the best of friends. But they, Magnus was willing to do stuff with Hans rather than just, you know, basically black blacklist him, right? Which is what he's sort of doing now by refusing to play him, uh, by leaving the tournament after he plays him. So things changed since then, which is very interesting. Like what, uh, what happened between Miami and the Sinkfield Cup? Mm -hmm. Because so in the Sinkfield Cup, we should uh, remind viewers that. Uh, Hans was a replacement for uh, Rapport, who couldn't make it to the United States, who was unable to play. He was supposed to be playing in the tour, but he couldn't make it, so he had to withdraw. And Hans was a last-minute replacement. Uh, Hans himself said this. First, he was supposed to play the Rapid and Blitz. Then, after that, uh, they instead changed it to, he, uh, to I think, Shanklin was invited to Rapid and Blitz, and, Jeffrey. and Hans was invited to sink. Uh, it was Jeffrey? Jeffrey, yeah. Jeffrey and Hans was invited to the Simfield Cup. Uh, and we know that Magnus already had a problem. As soon as he heard that Hans was invited to the Simfield Cup, like people think that this was because he lost a game to Hans. It it predates that by a few days. He he was already upset about Hans' inclusion in the Simfield Cup, and he already was um considering leaving. So we we know this, right? Um, so that, that's interesting because that means that there's only like a short period, a short window. It was like three days between the two tournaments. Right. So what happened in those few days? This, I just don't know. Um, he suspects the guy, uh, my, my feeling is that he has this suspicion about Hans for a long time and, um, and then something about the first three games of the Singfield Cup kind of like made him um, either extra suspicious or extra emotional about it. Uh, because like, okay, from my point of view, I don't see his game, Hans's games in this from the Singfield Cup as something very suspicious. Mm -hmm. He played really well the first three games. Uh, the game against Magnus was impressive. The game against Shakriar was impressive. Uh, but but nothing out of the ordinary, right? I mean, nothing that you wouldn't consider a player of Hans's level. And let's say he's uh, between the range of, let's say, 2650 to 2700, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe closer to 2700, maybe like we can elaborate on that or we can uh, speculate on that, but it's not too important. Uh, something that a player of that level is capable of doing. So I, I feel like Magnus's decision to leave the tournament was was somewhat emotional uh, and probably wasn't the right decision. Um, 
but but you know i mean he he felt uncomfortable uh that's that's very clear he felt uncomfortable before the tournament and maybe the first three games uh exacerbate exacerbated that and then that just gave him the impulse to leave the tournament um i'm trying to understand what happened in between miami and the singfield cup um we do know that there were some well business uh, dealings right i think um it was before the singfield cup started that chazakam announced the uh, purchase of uh, the play magnus group so that was a huge news i guess leading up to the singfield cup there are some speculation that magnus probably uh, saw some some things um or uh, was shown some things by the chess.com team um basically a list of potential uh, people that were flagged and um based on that his reaction could be let's say explained um we don't know that we don't have any inside info in that one for sure no no i i, I mean i i can tell you that 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 was not the case um like magnus has had these suspicions for a long time and, and i can also say this from like what people have because i didn't think about this at all mm. i didn't really know hans as a player until i only met him last year and i i didn't think much of it like he's a talented player Mm -hmm. He, I played Blitz with him last year and uh, we were playing in Riga. Um, we played Bughouse. He's obviously a talented player and he's obviously a good Blitz player and he seemed like a good classical player. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think much of it. But then like on half a dozen occasions over the past year, people asked me, what do you think about him? Do you think he's cheating? There's a lot of speculation going on. Um, this is, and of course, this reaches Magnus, this reaches everyone. Uh, this is not just, I mean, the chess world is a small world. And and if some people start talking about how someone maybe is cheating, you know, that, that snowballs and people start to, to hear about it more and more. So this is not something recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just yeah, I, 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 I think if you're like entrenched into the chess world, you probably have heard about this, about these rumors, right? Like people just uh, basically asking about it. But I think Hans also mentioned nobody and he knew about these rumors as well but no uh grandmaster um or at least one of his um you know top level peers challenged him face to face directly about this so he was hearing about it but nobody actually said it uh to him face to face now then comes magnus and makes an incredible accusation more or less um not directly obviously indirectly but people understood what he meant um so thing is so when i heard about these things i i kind of wrote it off yeah because like just to give one instance hans is playing a tournament in the Prague masters right in czech republic and he ties for first with kamer uh in classical i forget how many games it was they tie for first and kamer uh beats him in the a rapid playoff mm -hmm. and someone comes up to me and says isn't this suspicious he plays really well in classical and then in rapid he gets crushed and then i i i can't take this stuff seriously because what does that means nothing i i mean you can have good days you can have bad days it doesn't like this to me isn't evidence at all so i heard all these what frankly to me sounded like stupid rumors uh based off of either very circumstantial anecdotal data or nothing at all just based on pure like emotion and and bias and I wrote it off. And also because I understand how these things go. And I've also been suspicious of people 
uh, on more than one occasion because you know you get suspicious, right? We're in a, we're in a computer age, and uh, and that always like penetrates your thoughts that maybe someone's cheating. And I know that I've I've had these suspicions, and they always haven't always been logical. Sometimes maybe they've been accurate. Sometimes maybe more often than not, they've been um, misguided. So I know how that can uh, influence people. That you think someone's cheating, and then you grab onto a little piece of data that that confirms your bias and uh, and so on. So I heard all these rumors. To me, I, I didn't put much uh, stock into it. Uh, what is relevant is that Hans has shown uh, a willingness to cheat. Mm. Right. That that is that is relevant. If he's willing to do it once, you can speculate that maybe he's willing to do it again. Uh, because that that shows a facet of his personality, right? That he's not entirely opposed to the idea, mm-hmm. right? Some people, on principle, will never cheat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might, uh, and and that that does give some cause for suspicion. Uh, but everything is exploded with uh, with Magnus. You know, I I didn't expect that. Well, I at thought- some at some point somebody had to do something right because we were all in this situation where we knew some people are cheating we knew some people are being flagged online but you cannot say anything because you never almost never have 100 percent proof unless you literally catch the other person um with a computer in in the toilet or with their phone in the toilet like they caught rouses right if you don't have that uh and you accuse directly somebody of cheating then you risk getting sued um that's why I would assume chess.com is uh, not directly accusing anybody, but since they are a business, they can pretty much shut uh, anybody's accounts based on uh, their suspicions. But they cannot accuse directly and publicly anybody because they will get sued unless they have 100% proof on camera, which is extremely difficult to uh, to, to, to have. Yeah, so at that's, some point, that's the, issue. the only way to combat uh, cheating in chess was to have somebody with some influence, somebody that will be taking some serious hit, which is right now Magnus, um, come and say something or at least uh, take some very, very strong measures to point to the fact that he believes somebody is um, not... Well, not this is, this is why I, I don't... Basically. Even though I don't think Magnus did the right thing necessarily, I, I'm not... Like, I understand his position and I think it's... Like people have to understand it's not a selfish position yeah uh, he's taking a principled stand based on what he believes in and if he's right then he's actually doing something which potentially harms himself for the for the good of of chess if he's wrong then he jumped the gun and, and he's possibly damaging another person so we can only argue about um if he's being a bit too cavalier with his approach right but he's not doing it out of selfish reasons uh, he's, he really thinks that, that something wrong is going, going around. Um, so that's, that's why I, I don't think that like, he's, you know, he's a bad guy for this or anything, right. He might be wrong about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that he has bad intentions. Um, the other interesting thing is that, uh, like, as, as you said, you can't really ever directly catch someone. You can only use statistical data to infer if someone is cheating or not right yeah. you're, you're never going to catch someone in the act unless it's uh it's some idiot like rousis who <laughs> goes into the bathroom with his phone and uh and then he, he just gets caught on camera and put in the newspapers 
Um, like that, that's, that's going to happen very rarely. People who have even like a, a shred of intelligence will probably do it in a way where you won't catch them in the act, but you can possibly infer from their, their moves. Um, if, if they're playing fairly or not. Uh, so we have, we don't like have a central source uh, for this, you know? Yeah. Like we have, we have a bunch of different people or, or organizations that have their own models, but we don't have one, uh, you know, one clear authority in this matter, right? We have chess.com. They have their, um, their algorithm, which from what we understand is quite uh, advanced and is quite good at detecting cheating. We have FIDE, the governing body of chess, uh, who get their statistical analysis from, um, from uh, Kenneth Reagan, who is a stat statistician, I think, right? He's a, he's a professor. Mm -hmm. um, then you have different websites, Lee Chess, they have their own thing. Um, uh, you know, Chess24, I assume they have their own thing, right? And, and then you have some uh, individuals, right? Like there's a, a famous guy by the name of Poonin who, uh, who has um, done a lot of videos uh, where he, you know, uh, supposedly catches cheaters or analyzes their games or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a bit of an issue uh, that you don't have any like clear, anything clear to look to. Like a lot of people, uh, look to Kenneth Reagan for uh, for what he said, um, which was that he didn't detect any any evidence of cheating in Hans's play in the last, I think it was two years. I think yeah. that was the time period. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that like I have no reason to uh, to assume that you know Hans was cheating over the board in the past two years. But I would also take Reagan's analysis with a large grain of salt. Um, and the reason why is not because I have any like insight into his algorithm or his methods, uh, but because I know of a case, a very high profile case, where with absolute certainty, I can say that someone was cheating in, a, in a, an important event and um, the person was investigated and was also exonerated based on uh, Reagan's um, analysis, mm. and and I'm certain that there was cheating. It's it's for me. It's just a open and shut case. It's uh, there is no doubt in my mind that this person was cheating, and 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 they got away with it. Um, so I think that he basically errs very much on the side of um, like that someone really has to very blatantly cheat to get uh, to get detected by his, his method. Uh, so that, that's why I, I don't really, um, I don't put too much stock into, into what, uh, what he came up with, although he might be right. Like I, uh, I don't see any reason to suspect that Hans was cheating anywhere from what I saw in the past, uh, in, in like the tournaments that I played, you know, with him or, or played against him in these online events. Uh, but, but who knows? Uh, it's, it's difficult, of course, because if someone has 
has a history of it, then you'll always suspect that person, whether they become clean for the rest of their life or not. And I guess that's an important question. And I think this is something that Magnus was mentioning as well, basically saying that we shouldn't take lightly cheating in any way, shape or form, including online. Like we shouldn't be looking at cheating online as, let's say, a uh, lighter uh, offense than cheating face to face. And I tend to agree with that because I think this is basically the only way to kind of get rid or at least uh, disincentivize cheating um, on a grand scale. Just basically say that, okay, you cheated online, you're never going to get exonerated. Um, or at least you're going to receive, let's say, a two, three year ban over the board as well. Now, at the same time, you're also going to completely destroy your reputation. And um, basically, I, I think we need to find a system in which we disincentivize cheating on such a scale that young kids, young impressionable kids that might have uh you know ambitions and might uh, uh think of uh cheating as a uh, low-key offense not think about it like that and basically understand the gravity of it and and and, and how important it is not to do it um what do you think about that i mean i i don't view it so i've thought about this for quite a long time for the past two years basically since um I played that pro chess league match where um, where Petrosian was caught. Mm -hmm. And I had a very weird feeling after that game. I didn't say anything to anyone except to Rustam Kazimjanov because he was uh, my coach there. And um, and I told him I just played a really weird game and and it felt very strange to me. And then uh, a few days later, you know, things exploded because Wesley basically publicly accused accused him, which was also very risky on Wesley's part, because as you said, these public accusations, um, the famous, they can lead uh, to the famous PP in Pampers episode. Yes. <laughs> well, the greatest, probably the greatest, uh, <laughs> the greatest comeback from a chess player ever. I mean, I have to say, like, I really admire Petrosian for what he wrote to Wesley. It's just, it will live on in eternity. But um, but to get back to more serious things, so I, I've thought about this for a long time, uh, and and I don't like my thoughts have only gotten more pessimistic uh, over time because to me it seems that if someone is very strong and motivated to mm -hmm. cheat mm -hmm. and they ha find a system, it's very very difficult to ever stop this person. Uh, and one of the reasons is what you mentioned, which is that we don't really have a clear method for this. Like, yeah, the, someone gets caught online, they get, um, what amounts to a warning, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, a short ban, no, basically very little public, uh, if they're high profile, I think it's borderline public. Like it's not public, but everybody knows it because everybody knows the name of the accounts uh, from which top players usually play from. And if that changes in general, there's only one explanation and that okay, is but, that they cheated, right? But okay, I, I'm not going to name any names, but there are players in the top 50 who have been caught, who have suffered no negative repercussions. This, this is just like that, that they face some kind of negative stigma because uh people see that their account got closed i don't see that as as being entirely true to me it doesn't seem like it affects their careers too negatively 
from the cases that we've seen, and we've seen some, right? Again, I'm not going to say any names, but um, but the as Magnus said, the the punishment is rarely harsh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, how can it be more harsh? Like, let's say someone cheats on chess.com or another chess site, they get caught by that site, they get banned, they get reported to FIDE, and FIDE says, well, yeah, we'd love to, we believe you. But this isn't our our algorithm. We we can't trust it uh, with a hundred percent certainty, and we can't ban someone from uh, you know official chess right under the FIDE jurisdiction based on on your methods. We have no insight into that. Uh, and if FIDE does that, maybe they are at risk of getting sued by by the player, right? So, and maybe so- that player has a has a case against them because uh, it, it gets very complicated. So I don't know if that's really a solution. I guess one thing that FIDE can do is basically just partner up officially with one of these platforms um, that have an anti-cheating measure or basically say this is the official anti-cheating measure that we abide by and uh, take um, take action based on that. So, for example, if they use the chess.com, let's say hypothetically, yeah, I'm not saying that they are or, uh, or they have their own. Basically, if this anti-cheating measure flags you, and we have serious conviction behind um, behind that flag, then we reserve, let's say, the uh, authority to ban you uh, for, let's say, a short period of time, six months. If you've done it multiple times, okay, two years, you cannot play in any tournaments um, reported to FIDE. Okay, but, but they have that in place. I mean, they have Reagan's analysis, right? Uh, so so FIDE, FIDE is tied up with Reagan's analysis. Is that what they use? I mean, from what I understand, like if because I've I've talked to uh, like let's say I had some some very serious concerns. The the same thing uh, in the past. This this relatively high profile tournament. By the way, I wasn't involved in the tournament. I was only watching it from the side. Mm-hmm. Um, some people asked me, "What do you think about these games?" Right? They just said, look at the games and just tell me what you think without any giving me any names. They just asked me my thoughts. And I came back to them and I said, uh, yeah, this, this player and these games look really weird. They really stand out to me. And so this case went up to FIDE and the, and the player was exonerated. Mm. And, and that, was, that was that. Um, that was it. So from what I understand, if, if there is some sort of person in question, person in under suspicion, then that, that's where it goes to, uh, right? And and that seems to be uh, almost a definitive authority, right? Like when uh, Reagan comes out and defends Hans as saying, I see no evidence of cheating in the past two years, that's an exoneration. Um, what, what would be interesting for me is we have Hans saying he cheated between the ages of 12 and 16, right? He gave those time periods. This is from his own his own words. Mm-hmm. I think that Reagan should run analysis on those four years when Hans admitted to cheating and see if he can detect cheating, <laughs> because I suspect that he won't be able to, <laughs> because I, I really don't think that uh, his algorithm is sensitive enough to uh, to detect uh, any sort of nuanced cheating by someone who really knows what to do and how to avoid detection. Um, that's that's a problem for me. Um, and yeah, as for like a solution, I don't, I've thought about it. 
I hope that um, chess.com can continue to uh, refine their algorithm so, so that it can even more effectively catch players who are cheating because I think that they're at the forefront of this. I think that they have the best, and Hans also said this, they have the best anti-cheating detection in the world. That's what he said. And I, I agree with that. Uh, so I hope that they can make inroads in this. And, and because like we see right now, there's a tournament going on. We already mentioned it, the Chess Global Championship. The first prize is $200,000. That's huge. That's real incentive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. For most people in chess, that's uh, life-changing money, basically. I, and now we should we should uh, elaborate that um, it's only partially online. After you get to top eight, you have to play over the board or in person. Let's say it's. But you uh, play in person, right? You don't play actually over the board. It's like an esports type format. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I corrected myself myself with that. It's it's not going to be over the board, but still, it's going to be in person where things become dramatically more difficult to try to set up any sort of cheating. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's still a huge equity. Like you, let's say you're a strong player and you guarantee, let's say, you know, that you won't be detected, right? You guarantee 25 grand and the possibility of 200 grand. Mm. Um, that's, that's amazing equity. So I, I think people have incentive. I mean, money incentivizes people. Uh, that that makes it a really serious concern. I, I don't want to see chess become, you know, like cycling where everyone knows that it happens and we just can't really do much about it. And it becomes a part of the sport because that would be, that would be really terrible. Right. Uh, nobody Basically wants to becomes a race uh, as to who gets to cheat better. Yeah. And more consistently and without being caught. Yeah. I, I mean, nobody wants to see that, uh, but you know, you organizations need to get ahead of this, right? I, I think chess.com is really trying their best to get ahead of this. Uh, and because it's also in their best interest, right? I mean, they're a big company and, and part of their success is based on that. They're running a clean sport that people are not cheating on mass on their website and making huge amounts of money off of that. They don't want that either. So, uh, but from my point of view, like I, I would not want to be involved in, in uh, you know, trying to, trying to stop the wave of cheating because it's 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 difficult. It's going to, it's going to remain very difficult. Um, right now, we're sort of half living off the honor system, mm -hmm. which you know, you know, I trust Magnus. Magnus trusts Hikaru. Hikaru trusts Maxime, so on and so forth. Uh, but at this point, already that trust has been eroded. Right, Magnus doesn't trust Hans, and I suspect other people don't trust other people too. And um, at the same time, Hans is is not, let's say, cemented at the elite level. Yeah, he's an up and coming, super young guy. So there is definitely some flags being raised. Is there a bias of uh, just the top players being cemented there and have played with each other and trust their strength, and then? One of these guys at like 18 years of age or like 16 years of age, like Gukesh comes out of nowhere and just makes incredible strides. Is there a bias against uh, them based on that coming from top players, in your opinion? Well, personally, I, I know, and I also know this uh, applies to other people. I don't trust, uh, I don't implicitly trust anyone except for people who um, I personally like know their character would not allow that. And, and there's some people who I, I just like, it would uh, shock me to my core that they cheat, you know? 
Um, but that's not based on rating necessarily. That's based on how I feel their personality is. Right. And that's a totally non-scientific thing, you know, that nobody should put any weight into that, but that's my own, that's my own, um, system for how I, I trust people. And, and there, there's some top players who I, I wouldn't trust. Um, yeah, that's, it's not that I think that they cheated. Uh, it's just that I, I think that maybe they're capable of it. I wouldn't like close myself off to the possibility that they're capable of it. Yeah. So, so it's not, again, it has nothing to do with Hans being a newcomer. Um, like, okay, this is different for everyone. Right. But I, I know that some other top players suspect some other top players of cheating, right? I, this is uh, sort of an open secret um, that there has been some suspected cheating among colleagues at a high level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and not, nothing which ever came of anything, nothing with, with any hard evidence. Um, but still, you have that erosion of trust. And uh, for me, it's like I, I didn't think anything of Hans because to me what was put forward didn't sound conclusive, right? It was always, you know, this, look at this game or look at this result, but he did bad and rapid here or his interview is weird. Like, okay, I understand. Of course, uh, interviews can be weird and, and they might, they might give you a bad feeling that uh, this, this is not a normal player, but like, what is a normal player? I, I don't know. People approach chess in different ways. And just because Hans, you know, intuitively sacrificed a piece with queen g3 or that he you know blundered some stuff in his analysis of the game with magnus that to me that doesn't say much right yeah it might put you on alert uh but i i wouldn't put much stock into that either so uh yeah that's uh, for me like cons just because he's young or or someone else just because they're young that's uh that's not a reason to suspect by the way, guys, uh, thank you very much for supporting the podcast. Fabi, you said 500 at the beginning of the show. We we're actually past uh, 1,000. So that, that that's pretty good. Um, cheers to Yeah, that. people want to hear about the cheating. I, I, I guess so. I, <laughs> I guess you guys it? will keep the, uh, the same enthusiasm when we're not going to have uh, these type of hot topics. But anyway, thanks a lot uh, for, 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 for that and to everybody that's uh, watching. Cheers to 1K. All right. Uh, now, another couple of things that happened today was that Magnus said after um, he qualified to the to the playoffs that he will be giving a statement um let's say a statement that includes more information than it already has at the end of the tournament another thing that happened today is that fide also said that they will be giving a statement i don't know when uh i would assume at the beginning of next week or probably they're doing the same thing they're waiting for the tournament to finish and then they will be coming out with a statement that's going to be two very interesting things that will be happening next week. So I'm definitely looking forward to that because um, those statements could potentially give a very clear direction in which this whole saga is going to be um, um, playing. What do you well, think their statements are going to yeah. be? Or at least what do you think the direction of their statements are going to be? No, I think this, like there is some behind the scenes stuff going on, right? Discussions between different parties, including Magnus, probably including Fide, including Hans. I, I don't really know exactly what's going on, but 
definitely there are a lot of discussions behind the scenes. Um, but again, like, uh, what are the, what conclusion are they going to reach? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I, I don't think that they're going to say we caught Hans cheating. Right. I, I don't think that that's, no, I don't no, think that's don't likely think to so. happen. No, no, probably not. So, uh, barring that, the only things that can happen besides that are Magnus gives a statement clarifying his position, but how can he, um, Fide gives a statement about Magnus, not about Hans, uh, whatever that would be. Right. Um, but again, Magnus, I don't think he's done anything, uh, impeachable, you know, uh, you can argue about the ethics of leaving, uh, of forfeiting a game or leaving a tournament halfway. These things, um, negatively affect the tournament and possibly negatively affect players. Actually, I think that's, uh, we can definitely say negatively affect players, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think that I was negatively affected by Magnus leaving because uh, like Jan got, I was plus one, Jan got plus two. Uh, so I would have like gained quite a bit more money if Magnus had had stayed and not erased his uh, his win against Jan, right? Because Jan's loss got, uh, got uh, annulled. Um, and I would have tied for, uh, you know, second third rather than uh, third, fourth. So um, not really relevant, but these things do affect players, right? Let's say in the last tournament, Magnus uh, forfeits against Hans or resigns on move one, whatever. Um, that means that Hans has a better chance of qualifying compared to someone who lost to Magnus. Yeah. Uh, so, so these things do negatively affect the tournament. Uh, that That's true, but that I don't think FIDE would take uh, take any action on that, you know, like, People are allowed to leave tournaments. People are allowed to, to resign games. Uh, Do you think Fide so, will yeah. take uh, a stand against Magnus? Now, that was partially some of the speculation that Fide is going to be like, yeah, you cannot do this. You cannot just... Because it is written in the laws of chess that if you are throwing games, then you're going to probably get in trouble, right? And it makes a lot of sense. The, the, the throwing games shouldn't... But this is not a Fide-sanctioned tournament. This is an online tournament. Yes, but what about the Sinkfield Cup? The Sinkfield Cup, he he left and he didn't give a reason. He could say, you know, I got sick. Um, I mean, he's allowed to leave a tournament. This is that's true. He could, and he could give any number of reasons. That throwing a game, yeah, throwing a game is not allowed. But this is on on an independent platform. It's not FIDE rated. It's not sanctioned by FIDE. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think FIDE has any. Um, jurisdiction in this case that's a good as for the sinkfield cup i mean that's up to the sinkfield cup organizers uh and um and magnus yeah i mean they have i guess you know they have a tournament contract with magnus and they could say you didn't complete your games but that has nothing to do with fide uh and and i i suspect that also there was nothing really to resolve there because um magnus didn't play he didn't get a prize and the tournament goes on so that's basically it I don't think that uh, the Stingfield Cup organizers will sue for damages over the tournament. I, I don't know what FIDE will say because barring uh, them, you know, directly having evidence, uh, you know, of Hans in the toilet with uh, an iPhone, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't see them having anything against Hans or or against Magnus. Well, I think already um, the chief arbiter from the Singfield Cup 
made a statement on that and also the gct made a statement on that tony rich i think made a statement on that that nobody got caught during the singfield cup uh there's no suspicion of foul play so we should take them by their words um i would assume nothing happened in singfield cup that could have provided that type of evidence um i i, I don't see magnus coming up with any physical evidence uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to see what he has to say in in in, in a few days. Yeah, this will be interesting, unless it's uh, another more or less half or non-statement, which uh, which is likely. But it'll be interesting to see, of course, because at some point, you like you can't leave this forever, right? Magnus can't go on, you know, forfeiting or resigning every game against Hans that he plays for the rest of his career. <laughs> it's not really a a solution for him, and. Uh, and if he doesn't say anything, probably the chess world wouldn't take too kindly to in general that he's, you know, um, propagating all these uh, rumors and accusations without actually giving his uh, his take on it. I don't I don't know. Like he, he could have avoided this situation by just taking it purely privately, not leaving the tournament, throwing his concerns over to the organizers or to FIDE or to chess.com or whoever. Uh, whatever governing body he wants to, but he chose to take it to the streets and um, and made it a public matter, which is very risky from his point of view. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Take it to the streets. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I think another piece of the puzzle that we should probably address since we are discussing this at a length is the very uh, obvious change in tone for uh, Hans, right? Because he was very vocal against a lot of parties. He was vocal against Magnus. He was vocal against Chess.com. Um, uh, he was vocal a lot of, uh, against a lot of people, right? And then once Chess.com statements came out, pretty much doubling down on the fact that he got caught and we have basically proof and we've already told you about this proof in an email which also was contradicting what Hans was saying because Hans initially was saying that chess.com was did not give him any response um, as to why they banned him as to why they closed his account but chess.com pretty much doubled down and said publicly that yes we told you and what intrigued me after is that we haven't heard anything from Hans after that basically no uh interviews in the singfield cup i think that came about in round six or seven so he definitely had time to say something about it um to challenge those statements from chess.com but he said nothing he stopped posting on twitter i think he was also posting on twitter a lot saying that hikaru and and all his detractors are basically quiet right now but then he was the one that became quiet so that intrigued me a lot and also let's say pushed me more to the side of yeah i don't know what to believe anymore right definitely i was sympathetic to hans uh, after his initial interview and and i i felt a definite passion um from coming from him uh, a genuine passion coming from him but his silence definitely felt a little bit suspicious now obviously we're not going to accuse anybody but how do you feel about that how do you feel about hans's um silence let's say after the chess.com statement oh i i think it's very likely that he lawyered up mm, which okay. is a smart thing to do okay and i was probably advised 
not to say anything more about it, um, which could be for many reasons. It could be that um, although there were portions of what he said which were true, and it was certainly a very compelling speech, it wasn't 100% the truth. And, uh, you know, if he goes on accusing people of doing this or that, then there could be legal repercussions for not telling the entire truth. Uh, that's my suspicion, at least. Uh, I think that he realized that the wisest thing to do would be for it all to just kind of quietly go away. And, um, and for people to think that this was just some sort of, um, you know, lashing out by Magnus, who was upset about a game, and it would make him look uh, more or less like he was just a you know victim caught in the crossfires of of uh, of someone who was upset that they, they lost. Um, so I, I think from Hans' point of view, uh, it's very good for him if this people just stop talking about it um, and stop speculating. Right? Uh, I don't think that there's like the more people talk about him potentially cheating or not, like that reputation stays with you. Yeah. That, uh, whether, whether the accusation is true, whether it's not still, you are going to be branded by a lot of people as a cheater. Um, and at least people will know that this, this was a question. You mm -hmm. weren't a hundred, you weren't a hundred percent clean your entire life. And then you got questioned by, by some pretty legitimate people because I mean, Magnus hasn't done this before. I don't think I've ever heard him accuse someone. No. So no, that was very out that of he character. Did, that was very out uh, of character. And uh, again, we we should clarify he didn't actually accuse anyone, but at this point <laughs> we're pretty sure <laughs> what he's saying. Um it being a first time, it's pretty yeah, it does say something. Um at least in terms of like Magnus believes it, right? It's he's not doing this out of spite or or anger, uh, well, maybe anger is part of it, but but he's not doing it because he hates Hans's guts as a person. You know, he just uh, he just really believes in what he's doing. All right, let's uh, let's finish this one on a on a fun fun uh, tone. And I've seen a couple of funny questions from the chat. Um, let me let me ask you this. Wait, wait, wait. Where is it? All right. Does Fabi think that strategically placed beads are a viable <laughs> cheating method? I mean, I'm uh, I'm not an expert. I mean, maybe ask your proctologist. I, like, like they'll probably be able to tell you how sensitive you are to vibrations in, in case that's the route you want to take for for chess success. Um, but, but yeah, personally, I don't know. Uh, I, I would guess that something there's a better way. Like there should be a better way, you know, um, if someone really, really wants to. But I don't want to give anyone any ideas as well, you know. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I have to say that if, like, besides the fact that it actually got speculated on, that would be the least likely way for someone to cheat, right? Like to have any, if you have some sort of thing on your body somewhere you know, on your leg or in your ear, right? An earpiece. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think that that one, 
is the one I'd expect. Mm-hmm. Like if cheating ever comes out as like exposed on the top level that someone was cheating, probably not like that. I tend to agree with that. Um, cool. All right. All right. Well, Fabi, I think uh, we're past an hour and 11 minutes right now. We've addressed more or less every single point and everything that happened in the last week or so, last couple of days. Everything is moving super fast. Um, I think we're, we're going to probably leave it at that and then probably come back when we have more information and more public statements and things of that nature. But um, we do have a very uh, fun podcast coming up tomorrow uh, with Eric Rosen. So uh, if you guys uh, enjoyed this little chit chat that we did live, we're definitely going to be doing this in the future as well, just because it's fun for us, just because it's a good way to kind of chat about very urgent and And also um, check out the video that uh, Eric Rosen just posted. I think it was, uh, was it yesterday where we uh, played some chess against him? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Shout out Eric. And tomorrow that will be coming out with with Eric. Uh, So that should be fun for for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Um, But also check that video out. It's, uh, I think we had some fun filming that. It was a good, it was a good game. And I I made a promise to Eric. And then I completely went back on that. Yesterday I played the title Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I was analyzing the Stafford Gambit before the tournament. No, you weren't. Yeah, I I was. (laughs) And then I realized that white wins with like any move. And like, I, I don't want to diss Eric's opening, but I couldn't bring myself to play it. It was just like, I couldn't analyze it. Every move wins. It was terrible. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I apologize to Eric for, for saying that, but it's the truth. You should play it at least in like the first game of the title Tuesday. No, but yes, the first like game was the hardest master. one. The, yesterday I, I played this guy. He's like, he's a candidate master. He's like 2000, first round of the title Tuesday. And the guy plays with 96% accuracy. He's crushing me. He, he lets me off the hook at the very in time trouble. And then he instantly leaves the tournament. That was his only game. Yeah. That was his one game. And I was like, this is the toughest game I'm going to have today. So uh, <laughs> then, I, then I started to win a few games after I got over that hurdle. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, Fabi. Um... I'm out, you're out, we're out. Um, if you enjoy this, yeah, don't forget, sub. Sub, it definitely helps the algorithm. Comment, cheers, appreciate all of you tuning in. Hope you guys had a lot of fun. We definitely did. And um, yeah, I mean, look out for uh, for the pod dropping tomorrow, I think around midday central time. I'm not giving you an exact time because I don't know the exact time when it's going to drop either, but we'll definitely have... Uh, uh, going to have a fun discussion with Eric Rosen dropping tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. Fabi, always a pleasure. Cheers. And uh, I'm sure we will be chatting again soon. Sure. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Cheers, everyone.